Hello and welcome again to Irreligiosophy, the one true podcast where we would spill our secrets, but the penalty is Charlie's raping your ass. So, uh, so I, I've introduced. Are you going to respond? Uh, I'm speechless. <laughs> I am speechless. Um, well, I wonder if that was the original penalty that uh, Joseph Smith would rape your ass if you uh, revealed the secrets of the temple. <laughs> yeah, one of the one of the penalties is to cup your breast that's, and then slide it down. So that's called the sure sign of the nail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is how Jesus was really pierced. <laughs> All right, um, our podcast today. You know, we ought to get to the skunk dicks before we uh, we pop in with the interview, and we've got a quite a few doozies, and I think the one that should really lead the charge into skunk dictum is Glenn Beck because. He has urged Christians to leave their churches if there's any mention of social justice. Yeah, he says that um, social justice uh, and economic justice are just code words for communism and Nazism. Let me read what he said. Back on his radio show, the Glenn Beck program, said, I beg you. Look for the words social justice or economic justice on your church website. If you find it, run as fast as you can. Social justice and economic justice, they are code words. If you have a priest that is pushing social justice, go find another parish. Well, you know, uh, I think the funniest thing about this is that Glenn Beck doesn't realize that the LDS church is actually central to social justice and the teachings are in Mormonism. <laughs> I, I believe that means Glenn Beck is going to be leaving Mormonism. Let's see if he walks out of his church. Yeah, um, heaven forbid they, these, these evil communist Nazi priests push social justice. You, you certainly don't want um, poor people to be helped out. That's not what Jesus preached, right? Oh, of course not. Of course not. You know, uh, the hilarious thing is you got this guy, Kent P. Jackson, and this is his statement. Uh, he's the dean of religion at BYU. My own experience as a believing Latter-day Saint over the course of 60 years is that I have seen social justice in practice in every LDS congregation I've been in. Hmm, that's pretty damning for Beck, if you ask me. Well, Beck doesn't know anything about his own religion. Um, you know, he thoroughly researched his own religion before he, he converted to Mormonism. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I actually hear that he asked questions that not only did his bishop never think to ask, but neither had the prophet. That's This is quite astonishing. And when he began his quest for Mormonism, he didn't have two nickels to rub together, but, you know, he just signed a $50 million contract, so... <laughs> well, you can't rub $50 million together. There's, it's much too big. That's why he doesn't want social justice. He doesn't want anyone else making any money. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't want to share his money. <laughs> All right, the next one. Cardinal Brady will not resign over abuse cover-up. Uh, so this is skunk dick candidate number two. The head of the Catholic Church in Ireland says he will only resign over claims he helped cover up sex abuse if he is asked to do so by the Pope. Yeah, now this guy is uh, is just in a league of all, all his own, because back in December 2009, his exact quote is, 
child sex abuse is a very serious crime and very grave, and if I found myself in a situation where I was aware that my failure to act had allowed or meant that other children were abused, well then, I think I would resign. Well, I think he's just uh, completely switched his standing on that. Well, he needs to resign, because in the 1970s, I think it was 75, he participated in an investigation where he had two uh, teenagers, apparently, who were molested by this Father Smith. He had them sign vows of silence. The abused teenagers, so they wouldn't talk to anybody. Uh, well, you know, he wasn't brought to justice, the sex offender, Father Smith, until the 1990s. So that's 15 years where they could have just gone to the cops and arrested the guy. 15 years and probably hundreds of victims later. Well, you know what he says about that? He says, I believed in doing so. I was following the most effective route to get this stopped. That is my concern and always was, the safety of the children. Yeah, the, the, right. <laughs> it's not the safety of the Catholic Church. That's what he was thinking of. The most effective and, and most rapid way to get this stopped is to pick up the phone and call a cop and turn over all your uh, investigation, all your reports, pick up the phone, call a cop, bring these two kids in. Instead of signing a vow of silence, which protects no one but the sex offender, uh, bring them into the police station and have them fill out a report. That seems to be the quickest way to stop this stuff. Well, you know what? Uh, then he would have stopped the 20 children over a 40-year period being uh, abused by uh, this sex offender. And these are only the ones that have come forward. Who's to say that there weren't dozens and dozens of others who never came forward? Yeah, it so, says in the article he was eventually convicted and jailed for more than 90 offenses, many of them committed after the Brady meetings, when this vow yeah. of silence uh, protected the sex offender. Yeah, Cardinal Brady, not only should you resign but you should be kicked in the balls by every single one of those children that you allowed this to happen to. I think um, if there was a hell, he should be strung up and have uh, Satan poke his testicles with a pitchfork for eternity. <laughs> Skunk dick candidate number three. That would be Jackson, Mississippi. What a surprise that we've got a skunk dick coming out of Mississippi. Now, what this is, is a lesbian teen is suing to force her school to hold prom because uh, she wanted to take her girlfriend to prom, and the school shut down prom entirely because of her. Yeah, she was going to go in a dress, her girlfriend was going to go in a tuxedo, but the Itawamba County School District said, oh yeah, well we just won't hold prom then. They, they took their ball and went home. Yeah, yeah, well, the funniest thing is they actually had most of the money paid for for prom, and then they just said, well, you know, that's it, we canceled it, and they just no, stopped. because we can't have uh, gay people at our prom sullying the, the honored and, and timeless institution of prom. The sanctity of prom. <laughs> the fact that you get drunk and have sex at prom, that sanctity must be held within normal male-to-female relations. Absolutely. You cannot have lesbians having sex at prom. It needs to be confined within the heterosexual community. This is Unless not for you, gay people. The only way that women are allowed to kiss, make out, do other things with other women is if the drinking gets too far in prom. But if you actually bring a girl there, that's, that's different. No. 
the hell are you talking about? Haven't you ever been to a party where two girls get so drunk they start making out with one another? What kind of parties have you missed out on? At my prom, we had like four girls who got so blasted they were making out in the corner, and, uh, well, it was pretty much a strip show. Well, I would hazard a guess that your prom was not in Jackson, Mississippi. Yeah, it was in Utah. That's much better. They probably just reintegrated the uh, black prom with the white prom in Jackson, Mississippi. <laughs> okay, you do have me there. <laughs> so those are our skunk dick candidates. Itawamba School District, Cardinal Brady, head of the Ireland uh, Catholic Church, and Glenn Douchebag Beck. Wow, what a surprise that Glenn Beck would find himself back among us. Yeah, what's your vote? Uh, my vote is for the uh, lesbian teens, uh, just because I don't know what school would want to stop women from making out with one another. I'm going to split my vote between Glenn Beck and Cardinal Brady. Yeah, that's a pretty good bet. When you got two dicks in a corner and one's a cardinal and one's Glenn Beck, uh, yeah, that's a cockfight waiting to happen. You can't lose on that one. Let's feed that into the computer. Stand by. Analysis verified. Holy shit, Mims Carter won. How did that happen? Well, you know, I think that happened because Mims Carter is cheating on us. Did you know this? No, I was informed by uh, our listener spies that uh, Mims Carter has been whoring after other podcasts. Do you not know that those other podcasts are the whores of Babylon? They are false podcasts. You know what? I can't even look at Mims Carter right now. His skunk dickishness is just offending my senses in every avenue. He has gone too far. He, on the front page, if anyone wants to go to www.forgoodreason.org It's a podcast with DJ Grothy. Sure. Under listener reactions, there he is, Mims H. Carter. I've enjoyed your new podcast. What the hell? You know, I gotta tell you, I, I haven't felt this violated since the time I was having sex with my girlfriend. She reached for the dildo to shove it up my ass and instead grabbed the cactus. That's how violated I feel right now. At the very least. What did they used to do in the Old Testament when people went whoring after other gods? Uh, drink lots of wine and be merry. <laughs> There's something about smashing ten... Let's, uh, we can't stone him. Let's, uh, ostracize him? Uh, that's what the Greeks did. That always works. Excommunicate him. We're excommunicating you from the podcast. Now that's brilliant. We are going to take a lesson from our LDS background, I'm sorry, Mims, you are excommunicated. We're not even going to hold a council for you. Yeah, forget the letters. Forget the two um, people coming up to your doorstep and handing you a little notice. Forget the disciplinary council. You are summarily excommunicated. There will be no podcast salvation for you. We've had it. No. You are cast into outer podcast darkness. <laughs> All right. Um, so take that. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to sting him. Shall we get on with the show? Please, for the love of God. Uh, I've been wanting to do this for a long time um, because you know, I was raised Mormon and we were fundamentalists, so we we were taught that the church had fallen astray and, and gotten away from the true principles, and so the temple was never an option for me. I was outside of the church. Um, and now, always, when you get into arguments with these people... With these LDS guys, uh, they'll always fall back on one thing, and that is, 
If only you could go to the temple. That's where the true knowledge is. That's where all the secrets will be revealed. All of your questions will be answered in the temple. Well, see, and this is the difference between you and I, Charlie, is that is exactly what I grew up with. I mean, ever since I was 12 and actually gained the Aaronic priesthood, I was pressed into going and doing baptisms for the dead at the temple. And then as I moved forward and, and was moving towards the Melchizedek priesthood, I was told over and over again that there was only knowledge in the temple that I could learn, that there was nothing out in this world that was more enlightening than going to the temple. Right. It's the big secret. It's the big kahuna of Mormonism. Um, once you get into this temple, you become part of this elite club, right? Um, and it's uh, kept secret and supposedly holy. And when Big Love uh, did that episode, there's a big protest about it because our things are sacred and they're secret. We want to keep them secret. So what yeah. we've done is we've found two former Mormons, both of whom have gone through the temple and are willing to break their covenants and spill their guts. Before we actually get into the podcast, I would like to remind our, our listeners out there just how much of a dipshit Charlie is, because he has the internet in front of him, and yet he still can't look up the release of Big Love, and this is why this podcast has taken so long. This uh, doesn't come as a surprise. I didn't even know where the fuck Sweden is. So. <laughs> <laughs> and our fans will never let you live that down. <laughs> Uh, so, um, let's actually, let's have our uh, guests introduce themselves. Uh, what would you like to know about me? My name's uh, Michael Gagan. I am a recent deconvert, and uh, I have you partially to thank for that. Uh, is there anything specific you'd like to know, uh, like where I work or where I live? <laughs> anything? No, that's good. No, you don't uh, want to put that out there. People will hunt you. <laughs> I'd be like the Call Barney Stinson from How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you tell us a little bit about your deconversion? I mean, was this something that you had questions about all your life? Was it just something that hit you smack dab in the face? What was it? That would be B. Uh, I was pretty devout my entire life, um, you know, with a small rebellious phase when I was a teenager and wanted to watch South Park and stuff. But um, really, I was I went on a mission. I was, you know, I, I um, you know read the Book of Mormon and uh, felt like I got my answer. And I was full on board uh, all the way through to mission. I had an incredibly difficult, entertaining. It was a great experience, but you know, I almost died several times. And um, I got back, and you kind of. Um, it's kind of hard to explain someone not who's not in the culture and the mission culture, but you know, you kind of uh, earn. You know, they say like earning wife points or something like that when you go through uh, um, tribulations on your mission. That you know, you're getting <laughs> brownie points for a really hot wife and all that. And they always say like, you know, um, you, you look at someone who's got a really attractive wife and say, oh, he must have worked really hard in his mission, that sort of thing. But uh, <laughs> very that, logical, that... very logical. <laughs> Perhaps yeah. that's why I never got me a wife, is I never went on a mission. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. Um, and uh, <laughs> so you get back and uh, you know you work your ass off out there and just doing the very best you can and you come back and you kind of expect the promises that were made to you to be fulfilled and of course they weren't because God doesn't exist and um, so so what you're was... saying is you married a really ugly woman yeah. <laughs> the trials and tribulations didn't work yeah. out for her yeah, that, that is a work in progress yeah. but, um, <laughs> cosmetic surgery does wonders were... these days doesn't it you were lied yeah. to that's right. So uh, I got home, and uh, you know, I was going to the singles ward, which is a horrible experience. If you being it's single, it's a meat market, is what it is. Well, it's it's a meat market. Uh, you know, 
you're all corralled and and berated every single week by uh you know by the older generation telling you what a loser you are that you're not married yet and they they'll get up on the podium every week and say stuff like an entire generation is not being born because you're not getting your act together and that kind of stuff every week. <laughs> So, so everyone is That's just awesome. completely, yeah, it's horrifying. And it's, yeah, Charlie's it's, never been to a singles ward. I've been there, though. Yeah. It's, and uh, yeah, I don't know how they are in Utah, but I imagine they're the same, if not worse. Um, yeah. and, and everyone is just kind of like uh, tortured to insanity. And like anytime you even ask a girl out, she thinks you're going to, you know, propose to her right then. So everyone's just freaked. And so getting dates is difficult. And Right. And, plus, and the, the older you get, the more freaked out you get. Yeah, the more desperate you get, and because, the more yeah. women stay away from you because you must have something wrong with you. There is <laughs> a, enough wife points. There know. is apparent <laughs> there. There's an MA in my clinic, who uh, apparently graduated from singles ward, and they took her and put her in like an old ladies ward when she's thirty. She's yeah, the, 30. the singles Finster over thirty. Yeah. yeah, and she's not married. <laughs> yeah, they, they have the uh, uh, the phrase "get it done by 31. That's uh, uh, um, so. Uh, what I found uh, another thing really frustrating about the singles ward is that um, the the instruction, the quality of instruction was abysmal. Like you would go to classes, and what's, it was always astounding to me that all these people are made of like you know return missionaries, people who had to at any time be able to pull a lesson out of their ass. Like I taught Sunday school every single week, pretty much in Argentina, and um, and like did you forget how to teach? I don't know. So it was just you know even worse than Sunday school growing up, and uh, so I just sort of slowly stopped going to priesthood then the Sunday school I pretty much showed up to a sacrament just because you know like okay well they have the priesthood and I get my sins cleansed when I take a sacrament and that's pretty much all I ever went to church for and that that was kind of a gradual process all during this time I'm talking to my brother and uh, he's introducing me to things like uh, Skeptic's Guide to the Universe getting more, more into science and stuff and uh, one day he shows me there's a Skeptoid episode that was on the Book of Abraham, and uh, he was, you know, he goes through the whole thing about uh, the documents being found and and translated correctly, and has nothing to do with what uh, Joseph Smith said. And uh, the like, the tagline at the very end was the, um, you know, any Mormons with intellectual integrity should look into this. And I said, you know what, I'm going to look into it because I'm already unhappy, you know, very unsatisfied with uh, with you know the way I, my life is going now, how I'm feeling, and in church just feels kind of like a waste of time now. And then from there on out, I started listening to your podcast and, uh, you know, the, the Mormonism 101 and the, the LDS problems and all those things were fantastic. It gave me a whole lot of stuff to independently research. And then, I, you know, I came to my conclusion that there's just no way, <laughs> no way it's true. Well, let, I mean, let's I mean, be honest with ourselves. The, the real reason you got swayed by our podcast is because of the masturbation episode. <laughs> That's... Uh, I don't know. The mantle is far, far greater, I think, was probably the most effective of all of them, to be honest. Um, but it, the, the, the amount of intellectual dishonesty in, in, dishonesty in that talk that uh, is staggering. And really yet they is. still defend it. You bring it up, they still defend it. For me, the Book of Abraham was the nail in the coffin. Uh, um, I, I think I had to probably explain a little bit my uh, my deconversion from the church to becoming an atheist because a lot of people don't kind of make that connection. You know, they yeah. say, you left the, the Mormon church, why are you an atheist? Like, well, um, because really uh, pretty much every church I've ever attended has been just complete batshit. You just, you know, you see it'll either be like uh, using music to in place of the Holy Ghost because they don't have one because it doesn't exist, or, it, or um, you know, some kind of bizarre mystery religion or some crap. 
And um, you go the only one that even kind of was consistent in with itself was you know the was the LDS Church and um, at least I don't know it, it seemed a little easier to compartmentalize and and you know make well, sense of stuff. And uh, at its kind of face, th- it it looks uh, normal, but then you find out that they've been quietly shuffling things to the background for right. years. Sure, Definitely. as long as you can completely ignore the entire history of the church, <laughs> you're fine. That's right. Yeah, yeah, and if you go there and you, I mean, they say the same thing every week, and if you just right. listen to that over and over again, and that reminds me of uh, an awesome quote that I'm going to butcher, but um, the, I heard this in my um, in in the singles ward class. It's um, if you're brown, you're dying. If you're green, you're thriving. I think it was. They're uh, like you know plants. It's growing and it's getting nutrients, and uh, and you know plants dying, it turns brown, all that stuff. It should. It, and his point was that um, every time you hear this, it should be amazing. It should be, you know, it should have the same impact as if it was the first time you heard it. And you go, well, oh, mother of Christ. <laughs> yeah, these doc- these doctrines are not that complex. Not even the atonement. Not- this is stuff that's really simple. You know, it's a mediator done. You know, I could have said that in three seconds, and you take a whole lifetime to run circles around and embed new meaning into the same simple thing. They love doing that because yeah. it becomes your fault that you didn't get anything out of this piece of shit general <laughs> conference that doesn't say anything new, and they haven't said anything new since 1978. That's right. <laughs> so, but it's um, your fault. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, so I go from <laughs> from this church and okay, well, kind of this. If this church isn't true, then they none of these ones. I'm not gonna go to this. Other, I'm not gonna go to the Catholic Church. And, you know, things that are just so obviously demented and ridiculous. And um, you know, I just, I just kind of, I don't know. I, I thought I had a, a more smooth transition than that for that point, but uh, um, it kind of, <laughs> yeah, a lot none of it made sense. It all kind of falls apart, and you go. You know, and it's not even so much like I'm so lazy or I'm not strong enough to live up to the puritanical life and all that stuff. It was just like it doesn't make any sense, and I'm a lot happier not believing that I'm fundamentally flawed and and uh, and that I can just be myself and, and I don't have to, you know, worry. I don't have to judge other people. I don't have to be judged. It's you know I'm doing the best I can. I'm still a good person. I don't. I didn't need God to get where I am today, and I don't need Him now. I, you know, I, I don't need Him in my life for anything. Um, what I decided pretty much, I was getting more into science, that uh, kind of the only thing that we can really trust is a scientific method because, you know, you have, that's a logical, you know, series of um, of actual experiments introducing pieces of evidence and also replication. Other people can see this and do this and it passes double-blind experiments and then it's, you know, agreed upon. It can change, but it's a self-correcting process. Religion, on the other hand, is just... Some guy said this, and this ancient ridiculous text says this, and it's there's really nothing tangible or useful in, and certainly not the Bible and in any religion that I've seen so far. Now, I understand that, and I hear what you're saying, but uh, to me, a feeling in my bosom actually is more reliable than any science. <laughs> Charlie, that's me feeling your bosom. Yeah, that's that out. <laughs> Can you replicate that, please? <laughs> Put your chest against your monitor. I'll replicate it. All right. Let's go, uh, let's go over to Chris. Let's hear some stuff about Chris now. Well, as you may guess, I am Chris. Are you and the older or the younger brother? I'm the older. Oh, so you're the one that was guiding him to falseness and atheism. Yes, it was me. And that's why God was mad at me and was messing with my audio equipment. Gotcha. <laughs> Either that or you're just a poor audio tech, but uh, you know, let's, let's weigh the sides there. 
Yeah, I only do this for a living. Who who would think that I'd actually be able to do it? <laughs> Were you the one who contacted us? Yeah. Yeah, I found your podcast, among others. When I'm, I'm just a pa- podcast fiend because I spend most of my working day in a car going from place to place, and so I listen to a lot of podcasts. I came across yours, and, well, I had been thinking about doing my own podcast, but then I heard your podcast, and I'm like, oh, someone already did the exact podcast that I would have done. Excellent. So. <laughs> We're leading the way. We got it out first. <laughs> so, don't, so don't stop, because then I'll have to start. So. All right. We got a backup. You guys heard it here first. Yeah, well, those, they can replace us, I'm sure. For those weeks when we don't... Uh, Get it out on time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, go after Chris and Michael. <laughs> so, Chris, you're uh, also a return missionary, is that right? Yeah, but my story is a little bit different in that instead of being always the faithful, I was always the skeptical one, and I didn't really want to ever go to church or do any of the stuff, but I felt coerced to do it. Uh, kind of was of the the mind that if I decided, oh, I'm not going to go to church, then my parents would kick me out of the house, and you know, that'd be you know, out on my ass. And, and I don't I don't know if that was true and, and in fact I kinda doubt that now, but uh back then that's what I thought. I thought that I would be totally, you know, cast out. And so I, I didn't really feel like I had a choice. Right. They do hold that uh, over your head, you know. If I think I remember sleeping over at uh Leighton's oh, yeah. family's house and their rule was if you spent the night on a Saturday you go to church on a Sunday. So what I ended up doing is changing the role playing game night to Friday night. <laughs> well, see, and that's how it always was in my house. My dad would uh, would follow that whole saying, uh, you can do whatever you want, but as for me and my house, we will follow the Lord sort of deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get to the uh, temple ceremony, because I found a copy of this in audio. Someone had sneaked into the temple in the years 1984, 1990, and 2009 <laughs> and recorded pretty much the whole thing. But it's not like being there, and both of you guys actually went there, and fairly young, right? Yeah, I went when I was 19, and I yeah. think you did as well. Yeah, you have to now, do it uh, before you go on a mission. Right. Yeah, yeah. Now, the the crazy thing to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I've listened to the temple story, and it reminds me of a bad B-movie with a bunch of hooded zealots about to call down some serious spiritual butt-kicking. Is that really what it's like? <laughs> It's nowhere near that exciting. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, uh, yeah, think of that, but way boring and a whole lot more repetition. Yeah, yeah, that was what yeah. struck me. When it God, was the, the repetition, repetition was just murderous. Let's back up a little bit and set up the story. Uh, Joseph Smith has organized the church, and he has uh, met a mason and kind of gotten entranced by this whole thing. The way he puts it is, he uh, signed up at the Masonic Lodge, and the next day he rose to the degree of a sublime mason. I don't know what the hell that is. <laughs> but it sounds like he, he lined some pockets and paid somebody a bunch of money, probably out of the church's coffers, and you know was taken through the ceremony. And then, completely coincidentally, a week later, the Mormon temple ceremony was revealed through uh, Joseph Smith by God. <laughs> I love how convenient things like that are happening to um uh you know mirror the the signs tokens and penalties nearly exactly there's a place where they this guy raps three times for no apparent reason except that it's in the Masonic temple ceremony <laughs> oh yeah you rap three times to get through the veil it's like uh-huh. calling god so you can do the handshake yeah. so yeah, there's a lot of like knows that you're there or anything right there's a lot of masonic <laughs> stuff in there god did you forget me down here don't make me rap this thing again 
But that's the oh, story. Oh, I didn't know you were there, except I'm omniscient, so. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, I'm curious, though, because as I understand it, before you go into the ceremony in and of itself, you're given a new name. Now, is this a name that, that you guys keep forever? Is this just a name that they give you and then you just kind of swap out names every time you go? Well, what happens is the, the name that they give you the first time is supposed to be a name that you're supposed to remember. Uh, most people don't know that it's actually the same name that they give everybody on any given day. Right. So it's they just pick a name for that day. And, and you need to remember it to go into heaven. Exactly. So so, so it, you can ask your friend that went the same day if you don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so so God's gonna just have to go. I mean, uh, let's let's say that the name was uh, Michael or whatever. And uh, he calls Michael, and you have just millions of people stand up. Oh, no, 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 not all of you on Thursday. I meant the Michaels on Tuesday. I mean, <laughs> Now, Leighton, uh, th this was your pre-existence. This was your name in the pre-existence. And God arranges it so that everyone who had that name in the pre-existence goes to the temple on that day. Well, our names must not be very imaginative if we've only got seven names to choose from. And they're all names from the Bible and the Book of Mormon, so nice. there's not what, a big pool to draw from. What, do you guys remember your name? Uh-huh. I think it? it was something like Benjamin or something. That might mine, have been. Was, mine was Hiram. Really? Oh, God, it's <laughs> nothing you should forget that. Jo yeah. One of the well, seven should... names is Joseph Smith's brother's name. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many names are, but yeah, that was that was pretty disillusioning to find out that was everyone that same day. Like, wow, that's not even remotely special. That's awesome. But, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, I actually wrote that on the back of my uh, patriarchal blessing, so I wouldn't forget it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, as I covered in my patriarchal, I don't think you're supposed to write on holy documents because God will curse your ass. Now let, let's let's walk through this thing. You guys go to the missionary training center. No, um, no, 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 no. They have to enter the temple first. You have to enter the temple yeah. before you go to the MTC. You actually have your endowments done. Yes. Yeah, because yeah, you get set apart by a state president before you even go to the MTC. Before you report, it goes it goes back further. Like um, you know, you you uh, become an elder, and then they'll you'll take classes preparing to go into the temple and. Um, then you have an interview with the bishop, a particular, you know, a special interview just for a uh, temple recommend. And it's actually um, kind of like the ones that you covered in the um, excommunication episode uh, where you're talking about, um, you know, are you honest in your dealings with your fellow man? Do you believe that Joe Smith was a prophet and all that sort of thing? And um, What are these special clothes that they put on? Because Charlie and, actually, and I actually rented Big Love, and the clothes that they're wearing as they go through and go into the celestial room are just the most retarded-looking things I've ever seen. When do you get the underwear, before or after the ceremony? Uh, after your, uh, yeah, so you get your, um, after your endowment. So the first time you go through, you're not wearing any underwear. That is correct. Well, they changed that, um, I think, in 2005. Right, let's, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll back up. Because um, <laughs> there's actually separate, there's separate... You know, bite-sized chunks of this ceremony that happened. There's what's called the washing and anointing. Yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. The part take of, us, take us from the, take us from the beginning, because I had it in my head that a bunch of missionaries went over there at 19. You know, as your first day of the MTC, and you, you got your endowments, but that's clearly not the case. You're in with a bunch of typically old coots, mostly, yeah. right? Pretty much, yeah. So take us from the start. When you enter the, you, you hand over your little card, that mm. the old dude in, in a wheelchair says, uh, yeah, go We couldn't ahead. possibly read to decipher what kind of card it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You go uh, into the lobby what? and uh, <laughs> you go through the lobby. 
uh, and you'll see a couple chairs on the side. And then you'll walk past this little prayer box where uh, people can write down stuff that they want to pray for and on a little piece of paper and stick it in this box for it to be prayed over later. And then uh, <laughs> then you go. Yeah, into... that's some pretty crazy ass shit when you get to that in the in the ceremony. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. that's no different than uh, the televangelist saying, here, I'm going to mail you out this prayer cloth. I want you to pray over it, and then uh, give me well, 50 bucks, and I'll um, I'll put them all on a big table and say a prayer. It's, yeah, it's a lot weirder, words. but we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that called sympathetic magic or something? Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you go into uh, the, the changing room there, and... Um, oh, yeah, Charlie you, wants you to describe everything in this part. Of the changing room <laughs> in, uh, <laughs> in excruciating detail. Yes. <laughs> well, unfortunately, the when men's and women's are separate, so uh, that kind of sucks. But um, so are there you, any wait, 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 you just said you were geriatric around here. Why would you want it to be together? <laughs> are there any mirrors the in the changing room? That's what I uh, want to know. I want to make sure your tie is straightened, and I don't know that. I think there's one not showing or something. I don't know. Because but. that could lead to masturbation, seeing yourself naked in the mirror. In the Isn't mirror. that right, Layton? <laughs> Happens to well, me not, every not... time I walk in the bathroom. <laughs> well, you're, uh, when I went through, and they, and they did change this. Um, you know, you change if you're going through for the first time yourself. Uh, you, you do take off all of your clothes, but you have this kind of robe that goes on over you entirely. And called then a you, shield. Yeah, a shield. That's so right. So you're you're that's kind of. You're naked uh, from the side, but in the front and back, you're covered. Exactly. But it's kind of like, uh, yeah. It's a poncho. Yeah, it's exactly. Yeah, it's, it's kind, a, of a, a kind of a bright white poncho. A and I wonder if this has anything to do with people trying to get out that last bit of masturbation before they get in there for the endowments. And so you walk in there with this poncho on and nothing underneath? It's Yes, that's right. And you go, oh, this God. is before oh my God. when I went first time. You go into this room. It's not the big room where the endowment takes place. You go in there. Uh, in the smaller room where you got a couple guys, uh, I think it's uh, a two-chamber little room, and on one side you have a guy, um, uh, basically he dips his hand in oil and he touches different parts of your head and says, I bless your head that it may be full of wisdom or something like that, and I bless your arms and legs. And he, and he touches a little bit closer to um, the nether regions than I was happy with, but, you know, you're kind of there. Holy shit. What yeah, is they don't do that anymore, though. They he's not, like, that. grabbing my junk or anything, but it's it, it, kind of, like, up on my thigh, actually. And this is old dude, and it was like, it's kind of creepy, but uh, the church is true, the church is true. Wait, but, um... wait a second. What is he... <laughs> so he blesses your head for wisdom, blesses your arms for strength. What is he blessing your inner thigh for? Uh, for fertility? I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, bless they may, these testicles. not get cottage cheese thighs. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we do not want to hear these flapping as you go in. Yeah. Yeah. Let's banish the skunk dick smell for the temple. Yeah. Uh, Chris, did I miss anything in the washing and anointing part? I think. Well, uh, I they think do. This... They do it with water one time, and then they do it with oil the second time. That's right. That's so now seconds. you're not naked, is what you're saying? You're, you're... No, no, no. You're, no, you're still, still naked. naked. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they changed that. So what did they change it to? You got underwear. You got on the now? little apron thing. No, I you got just you your have... underwear on underneath. Yeah, your regular underwear. So you got the shield on, and your underwear's on underneath now. And now, now they just touch your forehead and say all that thing like, and they say that you've been symbolically washed as opposed to literally. Gotcha. Say so they, they don't go anywhere near your reproductive organs now. Is that is that true, Michael? I haven't been since they changed that. Uh, I haven't done anointing since that first time because, gotcha. well, would you go back? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, personally, uh, every uh, week. <laughs> Well, it's funny because, um, you know, our salvation <laughs> is dependent on the salvation of our ancestors. So to go to the temple is really important, and it's all supposed to be this, you know, altruistic act and all that. Yeah. Um, but I, mean, I never went to that again. But I did I other might, stuff. <laughs> I might just tell the guy, here, give me the oil. I'll bless that part myself. 
<laughs> for about five minutes, could you leave the room? Yeah. You got any hand lotion around here? Well, the oil should be good enough. You, yeah. you need to insert it vigorously, I'm sure. Carry, carry in one sock. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where you'd put that. Yeah, so uh, once you've done the uh, the Washington anointing, you uh, go back through this uh, little veiled room dealy thingies, and that's where you get your new name. They give you whatever name of the day, the name du jour, and then you go into the the main room. Uh, now like, to do hey, the... you skip something really really important and creepy. Oh, okay, bring it up. Well, the uh, the old way when you were naked when they did all this, they put the underwear on you. What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think they helped a little bit. I mean, I had kind of mastered putting on underwear by this point. No, no, I, they I didn't. Don't... They didn't let me touch it. Really? That wasn't my... You must have been one sexy bitch. That was very... It was very awkward. Probably number one awkward thing ever (laughs) in my life. So you walk into the room, this old dude's got your underpants, and he's like, okay, here, step into these. Yeah. Here, let me lean over and put my head near your crotch. (laughs) (laughs) Here, you can use my head to stabilize while I'm... Please push it up and down. That's what's... (laughs) And, you know, without doubt, all these guys are old because they're the only people who have the time to volunteer to hang out at the temple, right? Yeah. So there's always... It's just a string of old dudes. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost exclusively old people. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, and does does the guy just say, "All right, your name is um as as He just says at this point. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm sure there's a big you know wordy. It was like language. you know a name that you're not to uh, not to reveal and accept at a certain point that will be told you later and all that yada yada yada. That's, that's probably that's because they don't want you going. Hey. My name's Hiram. What's yours? Hiram. What's your girl? Why do you don't, have Hiram's name? Don't what tell anyone. What's going on here? I think the girls get girl names. But um, yeah, then you go um, – they're, they're, um, in different temples, some of them have um, many rooms. Like you have a, um, a terrestrial, telestial, and celestial room. And many in the you know, smaller ones, you kind of have just two rooms. One is the main room. And then the other one is the celestial room where, you know, after you go through the veil. And, um, you know, they you go in there and they keep the men and the women separate. Usually it's the, the men on the right side, of course, and then the women on the left side. And um, then, you know, they kind of go through this thing like... Um, so you're all in the same room, but you're just segregated by gender. That's correct. And then they'll have this thing over the loudspeaker that says, like, uh, <laughs> anyone who doesn't feel worthy to participate in these ordinances today who may raise their hand or feel free to excuse themselves because there are some things in which God will not be mocked. And that's kind of that big scare you before you get started to make sure. Um, well, yeah. they, they warn you. Says, You're going to make oaths today that if you break them, will bring upon you the wrath of God. Uh-huh. If you don't want to do this, you can leave now. That's kind of what they Gotcha. Say. Gotcha. So, but who's going to leave uh, at that point because it means like, oh, what did he do? You know? yeah. yeah, you're right in the middle of your family who's probably come for your endowment. Oh, shit, got to go. <laughs> I wonder if anyone in the history of the church has ever got up and left. Yeah, if it was just me in that room, I definitely would have left at that point. <laughs> oh, uh, something I've seen people get up, but it's because they forgot the name. <laughs> Sometimes. Oh, I gotcha. Up. You gotta <laughs> remember. That's your name. They asked. They said, "Did any, Does everybody remember the name?" Raise your hand <laughs> so, if you didn't. Yeah. And then some old dude in the corner goes, "Fuck!" <laughs> I don't over, remember the name. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> And it's all the same name, so you can just elbow the guy next to you and say, hey, hey, psst, what's your name? That is what often happens. Yeah, oh, yeah. gotcha. All right, cool. Oh, yeah, it's 
what happens next? You guys are all seated with your underpants and aprons on. <laughs> no, no, no but aprons. The aprons yet. aren't on yet. You just yeah. have underpants you're, now. You're just no. sitting in your undies. No, no, right. You put you're your regular all clothes on over your underwear oh. and sit down in these like theater seats. It, it's very much like a movie theater. Oh, I got all excited yeah. there because you guys skipped yeah. the part where you put your pants on. Yeah, I think they did like that said, purposefully these... just for you, Charlie. <laughs> like I said, these are two separate things because you've got the washing and anointing, and then you've got the actual endowment session. Gotcha. And so now you you're can, dressed. You can show your... up and just like like my brother just said, you can skip that washing and anointing part and just do the endowment gotcha. thing. But you have to do the washing and anointing thing at least once. So most people have done it just once. Oh, yeah. And, right. uh, <laughs> so you, Unless you're, you're a freak up. like that. Yeah. Uh, but then you're sitting in the movie theater. They roll that movie that you've heard the audio of, yeah. where they just tell uh, the creation story in. Oh the Jesus most Christ! Oh. That was like an hour and forty-five minutes long. This is where uh, it gets uh. really, really repetitive. And I have the uh, transcript right here. Let me <laughs> yeah, give him a taste. Give him a taste of what this. Where is. Let me give you a taste. All right. The um, opening bit is bad enough. It'll... The creation first day. This is Elohim talking. Jehovah, oh, fifth day. <laughs> Michael, see, yonder is matter unorganized. Go ye down and organize it unto a world, like unto the worlds that we have hereunto formed. Call your labors the first day and bring me word. And Jehovah says, It shall be done, Elohim. Come, Michael, let us go down. Michael says, We will go down, Jehovah. And then Jehovah says, Michael, see, here is matter unorganized. We will organize it into a world like unto worlds that we have heretofore formed. We will call our labors the first day and return and report. Michael. We will return and report our labors on the first day, Jehovah. And then Somebody Jehovah goes. Yeah, a, this is about the point in time where everyone falls asleep. That's one thing that you don't really hear much about, but you're, you're about the halfway point. You can turn around in that room and everyone is asleep. That's the first day. This goes on for fucking five more days. Oh God! It's the That's same. Just the creation part of it. Elohim says something. Jehovah <laughs> repeats it. Michael says, "Okay, we'll do it." He goes. Jehovah says, "Let me just in case you forgot it. I'm gonna repeat it one more fucking time." Right, and then Michael says, "Repeat okay. it when we come back to and tell then we you go we've back, done it." And then we tell you all about it. It's the same goddamn thing. And it's, it's, even... it's <laughs> six days worth of this shit. It's even better when you have uh, um, you have uh, Elohim talking to Jehovah, and then you have the three apostles right there, and they're all sitting in the same room, and you hear the same thing three times. They're like, "You didn't hear it the first two times." You <laughs> said oh it. my god! I nearly had to turn it off when I was listening to this thing. They're standing like two yeah. feet from each other, and they didn't catch that what he said when God when God was talking. <laughs> his voice shakes the earth. I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. I was two feet away. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah, describe this because apparently. In the olden days, they used to act this out. They used to have, like, volunteers, and they would act this whole stuff out. But now I'm guessing that they have, like, a production, and it's on a, yeah, a movie, a movie screen or, or TV or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's on the movie screen. In some of the temples, I think the Salt Lake Temple, they still do it where they have – and they're actual temple workers. That That's kind of what they do. Like, you have, you know, people that have different jobs. And some of them are just – they're the guys that act out the whole performance. Well, so um, in some temples they still do it where there's an actor saying this stuff. That's insane. Yeah. Oh, boy. But you do have um, an officiator, like one, one main guy. There's actually a couple, and the wife kind of sits there in the corner and doesn't ever say anything or do anything. But then you have, like, the man there who is running the whole show, and, uh, and he's the one who directs you when to stand up, when to do the different uh, handshakes and stuff. After he kind the... of pretends to be the narrator because whenever the narrator says something, he, like, moves his arms as if he's speaking. It's gotcha. Kind of weird. <laughs> 
Yeah, because when they're t- t- telling this thing, that the the guy like he tells you to stand up and then like bow your head and and say something and they say it and then he goes that will do. Mm-hmm. And That's when you're taking different down. oaths like uh, your oath of the law of consecration or law of chastity or something that and you raise your arm and, and say yes or I right. Do. So I thought maybe that was a real guy and the rest of it was on the TV screen or movie screen. Uh-huh. Okay, gotcha. To, to some degree, it is, and I've noticed that some of the the temples, they that part is the voiceover, and again, the guy in the front is just moving his arms as if he's speaking. <laughs> <laughs> do they have any special effects? Like when they take the rib out of Adam, do you actually get him see it reach in there and grab a rib out? It's in it's 3D, about... actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot like Captain Neo. Actually yeah. Swings us out. At you. Yeah. 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 Well, I can see the rib. It's right in front of me. Uh, it's like I can touch it. Yeah. yeah, a bunch of the old people's hands go up to try to grab the rib. <laughs> That's, That's very awesome. low production value as you would expect. Really? Uh, you have you have yeah. a film that was like made like clearly in the 70s, and then you have one that was made um, like in the uh, well, say in early 90s maybe. Or okay. the the uh this, the cinematography and the and the quality of the film is a lot better, but and the hair yeah, is it, different, of course. The, definitely the hair is different, but uh, like in the older version, it's just so painful. It's like watching a, a really old bad B movie, and then the new one is a way better soundtrack, and and they're like, okay, it's like modern filmmaking techniques. All right, but, so the creation story, which basically follows the Bible, right? Yeah. Um, except it's got a few minor details, like they have. Michael, who later becomes Adam, is involved right. in the creation, and there's a lot Plus, of mention of other worlds that they've created. Yeah, um, yeah. So that that's my question. So Michael became Adam because he was all sorts of importance. Who is Eve? Who do, who is she supposed to be? Some chick. Yeah, some broad. Just, I think some random broad. <laughs> well, yeah. according to really Brigham Young, that, it's one of his wives. That's right. right. <laughs> <laughs> and here's this is interesting because this is how it was taught to me. Um, because the church believes that Jesus is Jehovah right now. Fundamentalists, we always you know, learn from Brigham Young that Adam was God. He was the God of the earth. And so mm-hmm. then the obvious question would be, how in the world do you have Elohim, Jehovah, and then Michael, who is later becomes Adam, how come he's later referred to as you know, Jehovah or Elohim? And the way it was explained to me, was these are all offices. And so different people could hold them at different times. So mm-hmm. Jehovah would be... You know the uh, Adam's God, right? Uh, the previous existence, and Elohim then would be Adam's God's God, right? And then when Adam became God himself, they all ratcheted back up one step. So his God became <laughs> Elohim. He became Jehovah, and you know, blah blah blah. And I suppose I never really thought about it. But another interesting thing is that um, they actually have a point where. Um, where you close your eyes and you pretend like it's you that's Adam that you're asleep and he'll say to you, uh, you know, Adam, wake up and you're supposed to stand up and open your eyes and all that stuff. Like they're they're saying they're trying to solidify very, you know, you know, very strongly that the woman is Eve and you're the man. And they also have a couple that um, that will go before the altar and stuff. And and uh, I don't think that's what that is. That's just to make sure that people haven't fallen asleep. <laughs> so <laughs> you fall into here just to make sure you can make it through. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it is this odd part after the creation where Michael stops being Michael and he goes to sleep and he wakes up and he's Adam and he's forgotten all about the pre-existence, right? Yeah, yeah. And then they, they pull a rib out and uh, make Eve. And, of course, then they go through um, <laughs> the rest of the Genesis um, because Lucifer tempts Adam 
Adam will have no part of this fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so he moves over to Eve, right? And he convinces yep. Eve to eat of it. And the, the devil is not a snake or a, or a walking serpent or any of that stuff. It's it's a dude. He's a human. So, uh huh. Yeah. And uh, and it's in you. You have the all the Mormon doctrine of him being uh, being Jesus' brother and the son of God and all that stuff too. Saying you know I'm I'm uh, I am uh, your brother. Oh crap! Was it? a Lucifer? I'm Lucifer, your brother, and uh, you, my brother, here come to tempt me to disobey Father. You know, you, you him talking about that, and um, yeah, and so it's it's kind of supposed to teach you. That uh, the devil can, you know, also be, you know, look so normal and so accessible, but also be very powerful and very evil. That's another lesson. Also, there. he's supposed to be very persuasive, because uh, I mean, in uh, listening to it, you can hear Adam and Eve going, "Well, I don't know," and then you've got the uh, Lucifer who saunters up there, just a, a very worldly person. It's actually funny to listen to. Well, because yeah. he's the only one that makes any sense. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and his whole thing, uh, Lucifer actually is the only one who's really telling the truth, right? They don't die yeah. in the day that they eat the uh, apple. Um, it will give them knowledge. Um, th this guy actually is kind of my favorite character. Uh, him and the <laughs> Protestant preacher. <laughs> um, they've taken that guy out, though. Yeah, they oh, did. Yeah. He's been what? out for quite a while. The amazing thing that they've taken out as well is I, I was going through the 1984 version versus the later version, 1990 and later, and it, it's great because they've taken out all mention of uh, the Old New Testament, Bible, Book of Mormon, and they've replaced it with Holy Scriptures. So now anytime any of those words popped up, that's what they say. But my favorite part is that they've taken out everything that could be possibly construed as degrading to women, especially this one. Uh, this is my favorite right here. Eve, because thou hast hearkened to the voice of Satan, and hast partaken of the forbidden fruit, and given unto Adam, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow shalt thou bring forth children. And they have just completely cut out sections like that and no longer is it that women have to bow down to the law of Adam, it's now everyone's bowing down to the law of God uh, you still see a whole lot of um, um, they say the woman must hearken unto the counsel of the man just as the man must hearken unto the counsel of God, that's still right. in there I'm sure that's that's a big overlying theme that uh, basically women are property still that's, right. yeah. Yeah. as a matter of it's fact it's as strong as it used to be in the general there. General Conference of 2007, Gordon B. Hinckley was quoted as saying, Men, take care of your wives. They are your most valuable possessions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess this quote from Elohim, We will put the sisters under covenant to obey the law of their husbands. Right. And then he says, Sisters, arise. Right. And, you know, they... They kind of bow their heads. So anyway, after Adam and Eve get kicked out of uh, paradise because they both disobeyed uh, and ate the fruit, um, they are introduced now uh, ways, I guess, of getting back to God. And so the first okay, one is at, the, the at law this of point, obedience. At this point is uh, right when they get kicked out of the garden, that's when you put on the apron. Yeah. Ah. Now, oh, because, they, because they're ashamed of their nakedness. Exactly. At yeah, that point, it's the, the fig leaf, yeah. And yeah. so, again, yeah. that's to make sure people are awake, and it's just to, you know, you've got usually you've got all of the accoutrements just, you know, on on your lap, just waiting for these parts of the story. The first part is where you put on the little fig leaf apron, 
Yeah, you should describe what's actually in that little bag because every every uh, temple going Mormon has their little pack of temple clothes. And what it is, uh, you know, you you wear you know like white slacks and a button up shirt like you'd wear on Sunday. I think you know they they insist that it's a long sleeve one and have a white tie and a uh, white belt if you have it. And then uh, they have a robe thing that goes over you, and then a big old sash, and then this really ridiculous looking beret thing that you're supposed to wear that has a string it's coming a down the side. It's, it's a chef's hat. <laughs> Uh, it kind of yeah, it reminds me of a beret. Yeah, I think probably a chef's hat's the best one. But it has this string that comes down that, um, depending on which side, which shoulder the thing is on, it's going to be tied to that adjacent side with a, a little bow or something like that. So you're tying your hat. Yeah, of course. In the ceremony, you're actually switching it from your left and your right, depending on the priesthood you go to. Now, now, do you guys actually, uh, or well, I mean, uh, you don't anymore. But did you actually keep these clothes and this little packet with you at all, or in your house? I mean, where was this kept? Yeah, I still have mine in my closet somewhere. It's yeah. Every temple going Mormon like has their pack. Well, my dad has one too, and you know, he tosses it in the car, and then he drives it to the temple and goes. And Holy mother of God, I had no idea they were hiding secret packets from me. i got to go search my parents' house. That's fantastic. So they introduced the law of obedience, and it's exactly as you guys said. They say that um, they make the women stand up, and uh, they have a little couple that, that walks out to the altar, and you're supposed to think of them as, as yourself, right, and you're Adam and Eve. And uh, Elohim says, we will put the sisters under covenant to obey the law of their husbands. Sisters arise. And so I guess uh, one side of the room stands up, all the women. Each of you bring your right arm to the square. You and each of you solemnly covenant and promise before God, angels, and these witnesses at this altar that you will each observe and keep the law of your husbands and abide by his counsel in righteousness. Each of you bow your head and say yes. And I guess they bow their head and say yes, and Elohim says that will do, and they can take their seats. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then the same thing happens with the man, except instead of obeying the women, they obey God. That's right. And they have to bow their head and say yes. And mm-hmm. uh, so this whole thing is all this like ritual, and and uh, it actually uh, forces you to be sheep, essentially. Who? I mean, who's not going to bow their? Who's going to shout out and say, "Hell no"? <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to do that, right? Everyone yeah. bows their head and says yes. I mean, even this guy, I bet, who's recording this whole thing bowed his head and said yes you're you're all automatons you're all following this all it's it's totally <laughs> rote you it, it's enforcing you not to think for yourself certainly well it's it's the obedience oath of course it is right <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, well i guess that that may be why my family uh prickled up when i called them all automatons that, that yeah, may have you, been something you hit a, a little close to the mark there all right they so what ahead and said no <laughs> <laughs> that's not true what is the law of sacrifice Law of sacrifice is um is actually the sacrament covenants. I think it's like basically a restatement of the sacrament covenants. Oh, all right. Let's check the transcript on this one. Yeah, they, he said that you're supposed to because the posterity of Adam down to Moses and from Moses to Jesus Christ offered up the first fruits of the field and the firstlings of the flock, which continued until the death of Jesus Christ, which ended sacrifice by the shedding of blood. And so I guess you're supposed to remember that uh, that sacrifice was done, and then uh, apparently Jesus' sacrifice took over. Yeah, because you have the sacrament as an Aaronic priesthood thing, and then the, the consecration and chastity stuff, that's the Melchizedek priesthood stuff. That's the, the Yeah, and now we get into the first token of the Aaronic priesthood. I mean, I don't really understand. I've listened to this a couple times. I don't understand why there's a token of the Aaronic priesthood. Can someone explain that to me? I, I I can't. I know they wanted to associate um, like hand movements and shake 
handshakes and stuff with with uh, the different um, you know parts of the priests of the different tokens. I guess <laughs> he's the same. I think it's just to prove that that God has revealed it to you that it's like like a token. Oh, like a, it's a, a physical like a physical thing that you can say. This is how you will know each other, kind of thing. Gotcha. So it's yeah. like a big fraternity, a celestial fraternity. Yeah, like the Masons, if you can. Like yeah, I was say, just like the Masons. <laughs> so there's really no doctrinal reason why there should be a first token of the Aaronic Priesthood. It's just swiped yeah. from Masonry. <laughs> yeah, I can't no, think of a single right. one. Well, it's exclusively um, in there. It's nowhere else. Yeah, yeah <laughs> when it. I first heard about the handshake, I thought they would learn one handshake, and as you moved up in, in the levels of the temple, that they would teach you new handshakes. I was surprised to listen to this transcript and learn that you learn all of the handshakes in one sitting. You know what would be cooler is if the handshakes, instead of being separate handshakes, were like built upon the last one. So like at the end you do this really groovy like eight part <laughs> handshake and like knock elbows and uh, and Charlene walk yeah. and Charlene walk. Not, even the, <laughs> not even the LDS church is the level of thirteen year old girls. <laughs> <laughs> you twist around, do a handstand. Yeah, that would be cool. All right, um, we are about to reveal the first token of the Aaronic Priesthood to everybody. I'm violating the covenants I've never taken by doing this, so I just you wanted to... You should slit your throat. I want to let you yeah, know. I that. have my knife at the ready to slit my intestines. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if anyone asks you what the first token of the Aaronic Priesthood is, it's given by clasping the right hands and placing the joint of the thumb directly over the first knuckle of the hand. Now... What they call the first knuckle of the hand is actually the second knuckle of the hand. <laughs> it's the knuckle of the index finger. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's knuckle number two of the hand. So I think you, we need someone to take some pictures of how to do this so we can now spread it out there. You, you know shake how hands. You can find it online. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty easy to find that. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of interlocking your thumb, the thumb goes over the knuckle of the index finger. That's the first token of the ironic priesthood. So now we can, um, I don't know what that gives you, but if, if God ever appears to you and asks you, now you know. Well, from the sounds of it, that's, towards the end, you actually have to use the handshake to get through the veil. That's right. You that's have to correct. go through every single one of them. Wow. And, uh, and something interesting and kind of a little bit of a tangent, but uh, have you heard the quote where um, one of the prophets said, uh, like right as he was about to die, so, uh, he goes to the temple and says, I think I'm beginning to understand the endowment. And they teach that in, in Sunday school all the time. Like, this is so complicated and profound that it'll take a whole lifetime to truly understand it. I go for the first time. I'm like, got it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, this is incredibly simple. Oh, my God. All right, so here's the sign, because there's sign, token, and penalty. The execution of the penalty, uh, which I guess is the sign as well, is represented by placing the thumb under the left ear, the palm of the hand down, and by drawing the thumb quickly across the throat to the right ear and dropping the hand to the side. So I guess that's telling you. Well, that's that is the penalty. There's also a sign, and the sign is something like. That's a race. Oh, there it is. Palm up, thumb yeah. sticking out from the side. Yeah. Right arm to the square, palm hand to the front, fingers close together, and the thumb extended. That's the sign. Uh -huh. God, yeah. this is boring. And yeah. then the penalty. The penalty is the slitting the throat thing. And they took which that out. Which, of course, out. they've taken out, yeah. Yeah, which I have never done. I haven't slit my throat lately. I'm sure that that uh, really horrified people. Yeah. <laughs> what the, the like, whole ceremony horrifies me. Like, like, Glenn Beck gets in there and he's like, what the shit? I'm cutting my throat? <laughs> They're like, well, we better take that out before Beck gets in here. Yeah. He'll never cut his own throat.
Yeah, um, please somebody give him a knife. So, great. You say something uh, about your name, and you covenant that you will never reveal the first token of the Aaronic Priesthood, which is a comforting name, sign, and penalty. Rather than do so, I would suffer my life to be taken. And I guess you do that little thing with your thumb. Yeah, yeah. that last sentence that you just said, with the word penalty and the cutting your throat thing, that's not in it now. That's I've never done that. So yeah, now it's just the 19. name and the sign is all gotcha. they say. Yeah, they don't mention the penalty at all. Gotcha. As of 1990. So after this is done, now Adam is actually driven out, and a little angel with a flaming sword is set uh, at the entrance of the Garden of Eden. And now Adam is in the lone and dreary world of the Telestial Kingdom. It looks so a sad. lot like Arizona, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably Utah. You know it's Utah. <laughs> it's it's probably southern this Utah. This is the place that you're going to spend the lone and dreary. <laughs> And so I love this one because uh, Adam's kind of sad, and so he builds an offer, uh, builds an altar, and offers a prayer, and he says, "Oh God, hear the words of my mouth. Oh God, hear the words of my mouth. Oh God, hear the words of my mouth." And then Lucifer pops up. Yeah. <laughs> God doesn't even come down; it's Lucifer that approaches him. That's because he's the god of this world. I love it. So <laughs> that's what he says. Yeah. All the times that the Mormons say, all you need to do is pray sincerely and God will answer your prayers. I don't think so. <laughs> Satan shows up. Yeah, or Satan will show up. And, yeah. One yeah. of the two, and you can't and distinguish them. Bring in tow a sectarian minister. <laughs> yeah, you want to go over that one? He's got a sectarian minister in tow. Yeah, that's another thing that they took out. and That one, I think, was taken out even before 1990. I think it was in like the 80s that was taken out. I guess that pissed off a bunch of converts, too. <laughs> yeah, because that's obviously... Yeah, Jehovah's Witnesses, no shit. <laughs> obviously bad form, because they just go and they literally have a guy impersonate a, a preacher of another religion and say, oh, he's fooled by the devil. Yeah. yeah, and see, the most poignant thing about this whole sectarian minister is when uh, when Peter and them come down to banish Satan out, uh, the minister is actually presented, and they, they talk to Adam, and Adam says, I cannot comprehend it. Can you give us some idea concerning it? Of course, concerning what the sectarian minister is teaching. And this is the quote. They preach of a God who is without body parts or passions, they, who is so large that he fills the universe, yet is so small that he can dwell in your heart, and of a hell without a bottom, where the wicked are continually burned but are never consumed. To me, it is a mass of confusion. Yeah, I wonder why any converts out there, oh, from the Catholic Church, might have some trouble with this. Was that whole thing taken out? Yeah, yeah that I've whole thing was that. taken out. The whole character of the uh, preacher is taken out. So that that shortened it considerably. Yeah, well, think, the original but... <laughs> the original endowment was eight hours long. Jesus H. Christ. Oh, my and God. And now it's like an hour and 45 minutes. Another question I had on this is what the hell are Peter, James, and John doing here? Yeah, that uh, never makes like a sense either. They, they <laughs> haven't gone through their mortal probation. They haven't gotten their bodies. But apparently they're there when Adam got kicked out and they're going and quizzing Adam down on whether he's going to sell his signs, tokens, and penalties of the priesthood for a couple well, of bucks. Yeah, yeah, God sends them down and tells them to hide it first and hide who they are. And so they can get a report, and then God says, okay, go down there and kick Satan's ass. And reveal, oh, yeah. does Adam recognize him? He's like, oh, wow, I can see you're Peter, James, and John, because yeah, I've read I the think. New Testament. <laughs> no, but Satan does. Satan, oh, Satan. recognizes who they are. 
Apparently, they're super important or something. <laughs> I think this uh, speaks to the uh, kind of the predestination. Like, you know, they say uh, anyone who had a calling here had that calling before they were born. I think that's kind of what it's it's about. So that, they're uh, foreordained, basically, to be Peter, James, and John. Uh-huh. I, and yeah. I, I think that's the thing. Because we right. don't want to use that predestination word. Right, because it locks them in. Yeah. Like, as if... God foreordains it, they're not locked in. <laughs> yeah. It's halfway there. Yeah. Freezing. Yeah. <laughs> Peter grows up, he's like, fuck this shit, I'm gonna become a rock star. <laughs> <laughs> I want I wanna get laid. Like, no, All I'm right. gonna keep fishing with these fish if that's okay with you. <laughs> I want to be a dentist. <laughs> uh, I'd rather be a fisher of teeth, thank you. <laughs> I love that Dennis character on Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, by the way. He is so obviously gay, it's surprising that it ever passed Yeah, another muster. reason why I have never seen that show. I can't believe it passed muster in the 50s when it was released. It's Look, look, kid, you're not different because you like to fix teeth. All right, now we get to the law of the gospel. Is that the second token you're talking about, the law of the gospel? I think, yeah, well, it says law of the gospel, and a couple comes to the altar. You each uh, covenant and promise before God, angels, and these witnesses that you'll observe oh, yeah, and keep the law the of gospel the gospel. gospel in the scriptures as taught by Peter, James, and John, basically. Gotcha. And well, so now we have the second token of the Aaronic priesthood. Mm -hmm. And what they do is they have everyone stand up, and then they have the, the two, um, the, the officiating couple will walk around and give you the, the, to the token. The it's, token. Not like, yeah. it's not like your neighbor next to you is grabbing your hand or anything. It's the officiators have to do it one by one. Oh, my God. That would take forever. And then forever. you sit when you've got it. So. Oh, it takes forever. Yes, it God, no wonder it's eight hours. The, uh, there's a couple up in front this whole time that is the quote-unquote witness couple. And that for some of the things where they don't want to go through the whole audience doing things, then they'll just do it with the witness couple and then move on. <laughs> okay, now we get to the first token of the Melchizedek priesthood, or the sign of the nail. What is the sign of the nail? Someone pinches your hand. Uh, <laughs> uh, they, Are you kidding? Not, yeah, they pinch not your kidding. hand? Uh, you, you hold your hand out straight like you're shaking uh, someone's hand, and the uh, officiator takes his uh, thumb and his index finger, and he pinches basically like like where you have seen nail go through the center of the hand, um, and that's it. Holy wow, and then, and then he makes everyone stand up, and each of you make this first sign of the first token of the Melchizedek priesthood by bringing your left hand in front of you with the hand in cupping shape the left arm forming a square, and also by bringing the right hand forward, the palm down, fingers close together, the thumb extended, by placing the thumb over the left hip. That's the sign. Mm -hmm. Yeah, each one, each one of the tokens has a sign that goes with it. Yeah, so there's they your token. Really, yeah, they don't really ever explain exactly what they're supposed to mean, but every time I went with my daddy, he's like, so what new thing did you learn today? And he would give me what his interpretations <laughs> of this was, and the, uh, the top knuckle was the altar, the bottom knuckle, you know, the in-between the knuckles was representing baptism. It was just nonsense. Oh, God. So yeah, That's just pulling shit out of your ass at that yeah. point. That's yeah, yeah. yeah, that's inserting meaning where there's no meaning. So then they talk about the law of consecration. This is what you were talking about before, right? Where yeah. you pretty much say, everything I have, I'll give to the church. Uh -huh. The church owns me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty much. And, and they say specifically everything you ever have or will be, you dedicate to yeah, all of your Jesus talents, Christ, everything. Time, talents, everything which with the which with the Lord has blessed you and will bless you. I believe is the phrase. Gotcha. Interesting. So you're promising. It's almost like a reverse prenuptial agreement. 
(laughs) (laughs) Everything from here on out essentially is the churches. All right, well. Um, now we get to the second token of the Melchizedek priesthood, which is the patriarchal grip or sure sign of the nail. So instead of pinching this time, this one is where you you shake their hand and then you push your index finger into their wrist, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah instead and of you pinching, also, it's poking. Yeah, poking. And you bring in your uh, your pinky. You bring in your pinky? Bring in your yeah. pinky. This is new. I think yeah. you're supposed to interlock pinkies, actually. Yeah, interlock, basically, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that that awfully similar to the scout handshake, too? Wasn't it something like that also? That's awesome. I was never a good scout, so I never learned the handshake. (laughs) The the sign of this is what they actually showed in Big Love. This this, this really weirded me out in Big Love. It says a sign is made by raising both hands high above the head while lowering the hands and repeating aloud the words, Pele Ale, Pele Ale. Pele ale, and so you lower your yeah. hands in distinct movements. So you go pay with hands above the head, lay with both arms dropped to the square, and then ale lowered to the height of the chest. Bizarre. That's another thing that, that was that was actually yeah. changed in 1990 as well. So now you do what Adam had done it's, when he was oh god, hear the words of my mouth. Yeah, you say that exactly. Oh, okay. And that that was oh god, hear the words of my mouth. Pele ale is apparently that in the original language. It's supposed before. to be the translation. It's uh, it's the original oh, yeah. language. It's a pretty efficient language. Yeah. Yeah. Three syllables is all that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you ever look at his translation of the hypercephalus, I mean, he's got one just character that goes on for an entire paragraph. So then you get into like the prayer circle or something, and oh, the true order of prayer. This is my favorite, most ridiculous part. Right, yeah, take it tell away. me about that. Tell me about that. Yeah. You yeah, have this the altar. Kind of... Yeah, it, this is this is like the the one thing that kind of weirded me out. Like everything else seemed, I don't know, besides touching so my So having oil slapped normal. all of your naked body didn't freak you out. This freaked you, know, you out. I was okay with that. No, uh, I. <laughs> <laughs> you remember, Mormons can't date to the 16th. That was the closest I ever got to. Any ah, anyway, gotcha. um, so there is there is the altar, and what they do is they take that that prayer box that you passed. Um, when you're coming in, people wrote down stuff they want to pray for, like, I'm sick again and uh, don't trust Western medicine or some shit. And uh, they put all this stuff <laughs> or, in in this in this little zipped-up bag and set it on the altar, and uh, you um, form a circle. They say, okay, we need, like, eight men and eight women to come around. And what they do is they, um, they get around the circle around the thing, and then they do, um, they do the different signs or... Which one? Was Whatever one's the one where you're raising your hand to the square and then doing the "Oh God, hear the words of my mouth" thing. They do all of those, but not the knuckle things. All they the signs, to... but not the tokens. Yeah, that's huh. what I mean. All... They do the signs, and then what they do at the end is that you grab the person, uh, I believe, to your left with the uh, patriarchal grip, and then put your elbow on the shoulder of the person next to you and you kind of lean into them, and they form that little circle thing together. And while uh, while you're doing this. The um, um, the officiator has his hands on the altar on the sympathetic magic bag and uh, starts saying a prayer, and you're supposed to repeat the words of the prayer. You are literally repeating phrase by phrase what he's saying, and uh, he prays over the people inside the bag that they may get the blessings or spiritual guidance that they need and all that sort of thing. And uh, that is one of the most bizarre things I've ever heard in my life. 
And it's funny it because it takes like, like ten minutes. It takes forever, and it's funny because you have like only the best of feelings should exist in this circle. And if anyone, uh, anyone, and of course, if anyone yeah, doesn't right. feel those feelings, they may leave now, and all that sort of thing. Which and, I'm sure half the people do. Oh, good, yeah, I'm out of here. Don't they ask you if you've got like a grudge against somebody, and that if you're upset right. with them, that you should leave? Right. That you have to have only the kindest of feelings right. in there. And um, and it's funny because like growing up you're like hey, the silly Catholics holding hands all praying they look so ridiculous and then you see this in the temple you're like what the hell what <laughs> <laughs> oh no we're that too we we are we are just that wacky if not more I think that is the the most ridiculous thing that I ever saw I would be highly tempted to say something like like I got really good feelings but I've got to take a massive shit right now <laughs> so <laughs> unless you want me to. I leave a brown streak as I'm leaving this special. <laughs> Can you hand me that prayer bag? <laughs> I'm gonna do some a little token of my own. <laughs> do some serious praying on this bag. All right, awesome. Now we get to the veil. You guys gotta take over to this because it's really kind of confusing in the audio portion of it. Well, yeah, you think it's confusing in the audio portion, man? It's it's um, it's madness. You, you go up one at a time. Everybody lines up. And there's it's, this whole. If you have the transcript, you can see in the transcript that it's very much the same kind of wording as in the video originally, where it's very long and drawn out, and there's a, a back and forth between yeah. the person, the person on one side of the veil, and there's an officiator on the other side of the veil. And this is kind of like an exam, right? That's the sense yeah. I get. That you're <laughs> so you're and you're screwed. Yeah, it's a test to see if you're paying attention. I imagine. A lot of people fail this exam. Yeah, well, so what happens? And for that yeah. reason, there's somebody standing next to you that can oh. kind of prompt you with the answers. I got. Yeah, you. Aren't there like the three holes or something in it where you have yeah. to? So um, the the uh, holes that are cut in the veil actually um, correspond with the holes in the garments that you wear. Uh, would you like to know what they symbolize? I think I remember most of them. I'm just trying to figure out where the holes in the garments are. There are holes in the They're garments? They're not holes. They're, uh... They used to be holes, but now they sew them up to make, like, a little... Um, uh, little oh, wait, mark. were these the like ones embroidered. where, like, there was a hole over the genitalia and two over the uh, nipples? No, but that's not... It's embroidered actually, yes. now, but there's, a, there's, like, a slit across the stomach, which is supposed to symbolize the... Well, originally it was for the cutting your guts out promise that you made. Gotcha. But now they say it's for like hungering for the gospel or something like that. Uh-huh. It's the, to, <laughs> the the need to uh, constantly provide nourishment for gotcha. both the body and the spirit. That's right. And then the one on the knee, it's uh, uh, every knee shall bend, uh, bend, and every tongue uh, confess the uh, the Christ. The ones just on a the horizontal top, line. Just yeah, and you have um, uh, one on on each, uh, not like directly on the nipple, but yes, uh, right up on the uh, on the chest. And you have uh, one that looks like a, one that looks like a V, and one that looks like an L. And um, the one that looks like a V, a downward pointing V, is supposed to symbolize all truths conforming into one truth. And the other one, um, the L, is um, is a right angle, and it's supposed to um, represent uh, perfect righteousness. For those of you familiar <laughs> with the Masonic symbols, they're exactly the Masonic symbols of the compass and the square. Right. Yeah. See, that's what I was. Uh, that's what I was going to ask. Isn't there supposed to be some sort of compass or a square involved? So these yeah, are that's just what the symbols. V, the, the V is the compass because it's. I mean, it looks like a compass, and then the L is the square. So it's a. Huh. It's cross both nipples and on your knee. Is that what it is? On your knee right. and right above your belly button. Yeah, right navel. Above your belly button. Navel nipples and knee. Gotcha. Okay. The three. Man, those, this is weird. And those. Yeah. No yeah. kidding. 
and weird as shit. <laughs> yeah, and you have yeah. Try defending this stuff. Um, yeah. And these same. That, that's why the conversation cuts out. They they say you know you need to go to the temple, but I'm not talking about it. Uh, half of it they say is because they've taken covenants, but I'm sure the other half is like this is too. You wouldn't believe if I told you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> too fucking bizarre. Yeah, I can only imagine your guy's mind going through this. I t I said to Charlie, if I walked into something like that, that right there would have told me that the whole religion was just wacko. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I I left the temple that first day, going, I am in a cult, and then it's like I I thought this was just a regular old church, but it's an actual cult. It, completely. <laughs> I mean, let me read a yeah. little bit of this to you. So, um, Peter, are you Peter in this? Uh, when you're I'm up at the veil, Adam. are you What's, supposed to be Peter? You're, I believe you're Adam, and the guy on the other oh. side of the veil is Peter. Yeah, the okay. officiator is always Peter. So no, he Peter says, "Pearly Gates, get it." <laughs> Adam, having been true and faithful in all things, desires further light and knowledge by conversing with the Lord through the veil. The Lord says, "Present him at the veil, and his request shall be granted." The person is then brought to this point, whereupon the Lord puts forth his right hand, through the veil, I guess, gives mm -hmm. the first token of the Aaronic Priesthood and asks, what is that? And then Peter says the first token of the Aaronic Priesthood. Has it a name? It has. Will you give it to me? I will, through the veil. And so I guess you say the name of the token through the veil to well, God? I think this is where you actually whisper through one of the holes. That's right. Yeah. And, you, and that one, I believe, is your name or uh, your actual the name. The new name. One of them is then, the new name, and one of them is your... The second one is the new name, I think. Yes, yeah. Uh, your own name if you're going through for yourself, and the person that you're doing proxy for if you're going for someone else. That's and the they, go, they go through this for every kind of sign and token that you've just learned in this massive thing. Yep, and yeah. you got someone there to feed you the answers if you can't remember it. And, and this then, entire time, do you bang the gong every time you want to answer a question, or is that just to get God's attention? It's just to get his attention. He he just raps it three times, and that's the only time he does any any drumming. So bizarre. <laughs> and then you get to the second sign of the uh, second token of the Melchizedek priesthood, the patriarchal grip or the sure sign of the nail. Has mm -hmm. it a name? It has. Will you give it to me? I cannot. I have not yet received it. For this purpose, I have come to converse with the Lord through the veil. And the Lord says. You shall receive it upon the five points of fellowship through the veil. You guys got to tell me about this. This is something that has been changed, actually. It used to be a position that you would uh, present yourself through the veil with this other person where you would actually put your, your foot up against their foot and like your, and your knees together and then like your shoulders together and stuff like that. But now it's just you just put your arm on his shoulder and that's it. Oh, so, oh, so no it, it must be because they've got all the old people in there that can't lift their knee that high. Now what it was what? is uh, some women were uncomfortable with the particular pose that, gotcha. that they were in with it, another man. This is what it says: the five points of fellowship are inside of the right foot, by the side of the right foot, knee to knee, breast to breast, hand to back, and mouth to ear. And then I guess you'd whisper it to him or something. Now he would whisper it to you because you had. He'd whisper it to you. Gotcha. Holy mother of God! I can understand I why the it. women would be upset with this. Yeah, Not I've like the old guys that. are getting anything out of it. I guarantee you. Well, they're already uh, rubbing down the young guys down in the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> then they move up here already. and they get a rub. They get a rub breasts up. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> shit. I gotta become a temple worker. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, the sure sign of the nail, the reason they call it the sure sign of the nail, is because that's where the nail was fixed to keep him securely fastened to the cross, because otherwise it would rip out. Yep, that's and that's right. another thing you can do to uh, 
to scare your friends that have been to the temple, when you're shaking hands with them, you just poke their wrist with your finger. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> they'll, they'll and watch their out. face. Just absolutely weird. So they go through this whole thing that the five points of fellowship has then uh, been taken out, I guess. And so what does he whisper to you? A very, very long, drawn-out phrase that when I first heard it, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I have to repeat that back. And it's just – it's. do you remember it, Michael? Uh, I remember uh, um, health and evil, merit of the bones, power and the priesthood be through me, through my posterity, and through all generations of time. It's, it's something like that. It's very long, and I'm just going, I'm really glad this old dude is next to me who's going to just repeat this word for word. Because the first time you go through, you don't know that. So you're like, oh, man, uh, I'm going to eat this. I'm not getting into heaven. I'm fucked. Well, yeah, cause <laughs> then, like, the first one is your name, and then, then they end with that. So you're like, right. Oh. So now it's like, uh, name every element on the periodic table. Oh, shit. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> might as well now, just ask me to do that yeah. now you get the lecture at the veil which I guess is just kind of a recap is that what that is yeah, yeah this whole thing is, yeah, is the lecture at the veil but uh, yeah you get that last one um, <laughs> okay the guy next to you tells you that long spiel and you, yeah. and he'll even do it, he'll even feed it to you like line by line so you will get it like you, we will get into in, and uh, unless you can't talk or something but uh, and then he says, "That's right. Like you did a good job repeating, you know, mimicking that shit you just heard." So essentially, you give God a handshake. You repeat all the stuff uh, that that He tells you, gives you the name, and then you repeat that, and then you're allowed into heaven. Is that what happens? Yeah, and yep. that's uh, the celestial room, and that's basically just a nice, pretty, cleaner, brighter, quiet room to meditate on all the wackiness you just saw. So is that all you do is you just move into the – well, I mean, at first, do they actually draw you through the veil like they did in Big Love? Uh, I didn't I see Big Love, but yeah. – uh, In they, Big Love, they say that they, they shake the hand and then God pulls you through, basically. Yeah, yeah. That, is how, that is how it works. Holy gotcha. mother of Christ. All right, so, so you move into the celestial room, and you're expected just to kind of sit there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, total silence, and everyone's just sitting around, kind of. You just kind of bask in the, looking at the ceiling, just yeah. in the massive yeah. amount of wisdom you have just received. You, I mean, you yeah. need was, time to process all that. I mean, mm-hmm. I liked, uh, you know, I always liked doing the meditating thing, sort of clearing out my thoughts and all that sort of thing. So, like to me, I went to the temple and the the endowment. I just sort of suffered through that, so I can get in the celestial room because I believed it was the most holy and most quiet place where I can just. You know, get out away from the world, and that's one of the big appeals of the temple for many people is that I just want to go somewhere that's you know a little slice of heaven that I'm just away from the world and can focus on spiritual things. Many times that people go there with a specific goal in mind, like uh, you know, wisdom and direction with uh, what major I want to choose or what I want to do for a career. And uh, so I went there a, a lot for I was for something specific, even though I was supposed to be going to like help other people who are dead be safe. But you know. I was there for me. Interesting. So I just didn't want to be the first to leave because you, you look like a, a putz if you're like, okay, that's enough. <laughs> Thanks, I'll be here I'd all week. See someone charge right through the veil and just walk right out. <laughs> Good. Thanks. Guys, Fuck yes, I made it. <laughs> I'll get the pizza. You guys stay here. Yeah, guys, the meter's running. I got to take off. <laughs> I'm double parked in the temple parking lot. <laughs> That is one of the the most seriously fucked up things I have ever heard in my entire life. I, well, I can't that's, fathom. That's one. That's one and, of the because yeah. there's you got the endowment, you have baptisms for the dead, you have ceilings, you have other stuff that goes on in there too. That's just one. 
That's uh, the that's the big one. But I guess ask you about ceilings. That's just yeah. It's... You got like we we should go over like marriage ceremonies and sealing uh, men to men because uh, that was done. Um, okay. And and a bunch of the other stuff. We we've hit our mark, but uh, just well over the mark actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, we should close by kind of uh, talking to you about your thoughts about it. the first time you went through this. The yeah, hell how, are you thinking? How... This is crazy. How? What was your thoughts? Yeah, like I said, when I was, when I as I'm walking into that celestial room, and I'm like, "Thank God this is over." I I'm, I wanted to just like leave screaming because I'm like, "This is insane." I I don't want to be a part of this, but now I'm tied to it forever, and I'm in this cult, and I don't know how to get out. This makes me think of those nice, fresh-faced, uh, clean-cut Mormons really differently. Now, Michael, what was your response to this? Because, I mean, you were a full-on believer. We heard Chris. He's the black sheep of the family. But you believed deep down. What was your response to this? How did you feel? Um, I was uh, – <laughs> it was funny because, like, I didn't – you know, besides being molested, I didn't really have much of a problem. Uh, I had – when I first went in there, it just happened to be – the first thing I saw as I'm walking to the changing room, it's this big fat guy in full temple garb and everything that – because uh, if you go the straight to ceilings, if you, if you bypass the, um, the endowment, you can do other stuff. And he had this most – this huge handlebar mustache. It was like this is the most bizarre thing I've ever seen, but, like – that was kind of like a that was weird, but I I went in and it's it always I just kind of assumed there was a deeper meaning that this is all it's all very symbolic and I had been taught you know you have to be you know in there doing this for sixty years before you really start to understand it, and I went through it and went okay I like the little quiet room to think, and I think I got everything. <laughs> so <that's funny. laughs> yeah, it's not like they don't beat it into your head eight different times in four different ways. I mean it's ridiculous. Yeah, I never felt like I was really part of a cult. Um, I mean, it, it's kind of sounds weird to say that after you hearing about the shit we just did, but um, uh, it, it the true order of prayer. Just um, I had to fight off laughing out loud um, the first time I saw that. <laughs> and that it was like, shit, this is boring, um, and it's really long because I just want to like get to the. I want to go to heaven now, because <laughs> I, you know, I always thought I always had a problem with the Adam and Eve story. I just always found that very problematic and. And uh, why would God put you in a no-win situation? All that stuff, and so I'm like, okay, do I have to listen to the story again? It's such a stupid story. But even then, but like, you know, for me, it was always that it's I only care about the things that are necessary for my salvation. That was you know pretty well ingrained into me too. So like, I don't care if Adam had a belly button, but I do care if Jesus saves me and and that sort of thing. So you kind of compartmentalize and just sort of go, whatever. This is. It's it's important. I'm sure it'll make sense later. Interesting. Huh. Um, now that's some good indoctrination you had there to go through that and think that. Yeah. <laughs> Holy hell. <laughs> well, I mean, they're pretty they're pretty um, good at indoctrination, and they want to make sure that you are fully committed to the church before they even let you in. Um, for converts, it is a year of regular church attendance and tithe paying uh, before you can even interview to. Uh, uh, go to the temple, isn't that right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. And I mean, I've always been kind of an all-or-nothing guy, and I had a testimony, so like I was all in. And you know, like this, this is you know, if it's if it's not true, then it's ridiculous. But if it's true, this is what God wants. And I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to obey. Right? Doesn't it seem like they're locking themselves into accepting a historical version of Adam and Eve? Like they can't. When you go through the temple, you can't really accept evolution because it tells you. 
Adam and God and Jehovah and whoever formed the earth and they stuck Adam on it, right? Uh, not well, if you're and, an, an old earth creationist. You know, it's, um, they talk about, well, the word uh, for day in Hebrew actually meant time period. So it could have been millions of years and things could have evolved sure. over that. Like that's, that's sure. the, what I was taught. But if they evolved already, I mean, it's uh, <laughs> where did Adam come them? from? Right? Yeah, where did Adam come from and why yeah, do you have to Which specific this? point was Adam in the evolutionary line? Monkey, 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 Adam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you often see that in evolutionary lines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in Mormon theology, apparently, there's all these gorillas and Adam sitting in the middle of them, wondering, how the fuck did I get here? Which and one of these uh, do I have sex with? Is my mate. They <laughs> <laughs> pulled a rib from a monkey and you got Adam. I mean, weren't you paying attention in Sunday school? <laughs> Who's the least hairy gorilla here? <laughs> uh, it's really that, uh... just the hindquarters that have to be the least hairy. <laughs> That's baboons. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. That That is absolutely unbelievable to me. And listening to the audio is nowhere near having you guys take us through it. So thanks for coming on the show. That that actually really enlightening. Totally yeah, different experience. It's My been pleasure. a great pleasure to talk to you guys. What we should do probably is have you guys on again and have you tell more of your let's go more into your deconversion stories uh in more detail. Let's let's uh, meet again up in a month and let's do that in a month. Does that sound good, Leighton? Sounds good to me. I like well Maybe uh, do it every other month, because uh, we may want to... Uh, there's actually another guest from the Middle East that I'd like to get on here for next month. Are you saying these guys are boring? You don't want to do them two months in a row? <laughs> well, I'm saying all they can talk about is the guy that rubbed them up with oil, and uh, I think we need to move on. <laughs> it's distracting, isn't it? But also slightly alluring. Yes. Strangely it's... appealing. <laughs> Opposites attract, I'm sure. Geriatric sim. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for being on, guys. It was a, a wonderful episode. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Thanks for All having right, us. Bye bye. <laughs>